This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast. Back for another week and uh, we're uh, without Hammy this week. He's out on a business trip out in Philly or something along those case, on that case. So Hammy will not be joining us. And uh, But later we will have uh, Brad Sloshman, Schlossman, gosh I can't say it that right, from uh, the Grand Forks Herald. So he will be joining us to talk about the big series up in Grand Forks this weekend. But definitely back with us as always. Vigo, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm uh, excited for this weekend. Uh, you know, the rivalry's back, and I know the boys are looking for a good uh, series up in Grand Forks. Well, I know you probably got a lot of good audio today, especially from from Lucia. That we'll we'll put at the end of the podcast. So um, it looks yeah, like he was. Don, he, Don is just in a great mood at media days this year. I, <laughs> I don't know what it is. If he's maybe he's on his last year and he's not telling us, but. Uh, he is quite yeah. loquacious during saw, our, our times together on Wednesday afternoons. I saw some of the video today, and he was all smiles and a little giggly and kind of very undone-like. So, Yeah, um, I was joking to him, you know, does he want to get suited up this week like Darby Hendrickson? And he says, heck yeah. <laughs> so I want to get my pads on and slap some guys around. And, you know, it's that hockey football mentality he had from Grand Rapids. Well, before we get to uh, – the big UND series up in Grand Forks this weekend. Um, boy, Viggs, uh, another Jekyll and Hyde weekend for the Scover team, coming out flat, doing nothing, not getting a shot for the first, for most of the first period. End up losing last Friday night, three to one to Penn State, and boy, what a disappointing performance that was. Yeah, you know this team is missing a lot of guys that were leaders on the team last year with. You know, Letary and Kloos and Bischoff all moving on to play pro hockey. They've left some pretty big holes in the lineup, especially down the middle, You know, losing all that experience in the face-off dot, the centers, uh, losing Bischoff as a key player on the power play and the penalty kill, just having that much leadership gone. You know, When you have these new guys push the front and then Tyler Sheehy was scratched for the weekend um, for an injury he picked up, you know, it just was too much for them to overcome. Yeah, they, they definitely, you know, you, you talk about the power play and the penalty kill. That was one thing that was not good. Well, it hasn't been really good yet this year, but, you know, you look at Friday night, two power play goals against. Um, not uh, not the way to start the season on special teams. No, you, you don't so much mind the power play being a little slow to start because um, you can play well in other parts of your game to, to get you back into it. But when you're just 12 for 18 on the penalty kill, in four games, that's not very good. You know, you've given up six goals against on special teams in four games. It's just something that's missing out. I think, you know, you have the two things missing Bischoff and having these guys thrust in the lineup, even Ryan Collins, you know, he was a guy who was a good penalty killer for them. And then you lose your centers who were winning draws. And now you have a team that's got a lot of left-handed centers. I think they're all lefties and they've been losing a lot of draws on the kill. 
and then they have so many penalties that they're having to kill so long each game. Uh, so I think those those factors are really combining. I don't think you can pin these goals against on Shearhorn. You know, it's just these kills are letting seam passes get through the middle and a lot of one-timers and traffic in front of the net and rebounds, and, you know, it hasn't been good enough. It, it definitely has not been good enough. I mean, the, it wasn't just, you know, the, the special teams and the penalty kill um, Friday night. It was just overall effort. There was just nothing there, was there? Well, I'd, I'd love to see the turnover stats that oh. I know they keep. <laughs> Because that's that's something that Lucci has been talking about a lot. You know, they want to cut down their turnovers by about six a game from last year to this year. And if anything, it's gone up six a game. You have so many players who are trying to force things to happen at the blue lines and turning the puck over. I know we got into a little bit of a discussion about this on GPL about zone entries. And the fact is, I talked to Tommy Novak today about zone entries. And he said that, you know, when you have numbers, when you have speed, you know, you, you put the puck in a position where you can protect it and you gain the zone if you can. But if you're not having those three things with you, you should put it deep and go to work on the other team's D. And there's almost been a refusal of the players to recognize those situations, and it's getting them in trouble. They lose a lot of momentum that way. Well, I must say you did post that uh, screen grab from the Duluth game um, on GPL this week showing <laughs> their zone entry in overtime that ended up costing the goal. There's four guys on the, you know, the, the blue line where they lost the puck, leaving, you know, one guy back and, you know, a defenseman had trying to scramble to get back and completely out of position. In a lot of these situations, the guys in front of the player are all standing still because the player with the puck hasn't moved it. So they're having to wait for him to catch up, you know, and then he gets the blue line. He runs out of space and you have guys standing still. And once there's a turnover, you know, all the guys on that position are going the other way as fast as they can. And all the gopher guys are on the wrong side of the puck. So it's a, it puts your team in a tough, tough situation. And I think it's one of the reasons they've been taking penalties is they get you know, in these situations where they're chasing the play, maybe a little fatigued, and they're putting sticks on guys. Yeah, well, it was obviously an ugly game uh, Friday night. Uh, I, I, was, I was not happy myself at home watching on television, trying to not tweet and be a smartass. Um, but uh, it, it's it's those same mistakes they've been making, you know. Like you said, turnovers, uh, lack of effort. I mean, uh, you know, I remember Don saying, you know, even Saturday night that he was saying that their, their Friday night effort, you know, they had just a handful of shots in the first period, and you know, in the first ten minutes of the second game, it was much better. I mean, uh, you know, they they didn't get a goal in those first ten minutes. I don't believe no, they didn't, but. Um, they they had a lot of effort. They were getting shots on goal. They were challenging uh, um, Jones and Ned for for Penn State. But Friday night, it was just there was just nothing there. And 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 you, you, we've talked about all this year. You know, the coaches telling the players how they need to play, and it just seems like Friday nights they they haven't figured that out yet. And Saturdays are like, oh, they see the video and uh, from Friday, and they look on Saturday, and, and they just play much better. I mean, what is going on? Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, Don Lucia said on his coach's show this week that he doesn't want to have his foot up the rear in every film session with these guys. <laughs> you know, that's that's just as much of a tough time for him that is for the players. You know, that's not stuff they want to do. And he says that you know when he takes his foot off the gas a little bit on these guys, they also take their feet off the gas, and so that's a bit of a problem for this team. Um, it's good to see them respond as they go from Fridays to Saturdays. 
But the one of the things is with with these turnovers and these mistakes is that they compound it by not working hard to get the puck back, or they compound it by coming back in the zone and taking penalties. And if you watch in the games that they've come back in the next night, you know if they lose the puck, they're still skating hard to, to try to get it back again. You know they're really putting the effort out there. Um, so that's that's one thing as a fan to watch for. You know, if there's turnovers and guys aren't working to get the puck back, that's a bad sign for the night, especially in the first 10 minutes. Well, then you move on to game two and was the, the exact opposite. You know, we've got um, people scoring. <laughs> Excuse me, that sneeze just hung, snuck up on me. Uh, we have people scoring. we got Casey Middlestead, you know, getting on the board as this, uh, you know, in front of the home crowd. Um, and then uh, out of nowhere, Brandon McManus, picks up a hat trick. Um, did anyone see that coming? I don't think so, Viggs. I don't think we saw it coming, but according <laughs> to the players, McManus is going to be a player to watch. He's got one of the, the most deceptive shots on the team. You know, he can really hide the puck and change the angles on goalies. Um, it's a hard shot. Um, Don Lucci has said a couple times that, you know, when you're picking those corners from distance, you're a good shooter. And it's pretty evident that McManus is a good shooter. And that's the kind of player he's been at Shattuck and um, in Chicago in the USHL. And that's why they recruited him. And I got to tell you, more than ever, they're going to need him for the stretch of the season because headed into this weekend, um, Sheehy's probably going to be out. You know, that's a right-handed shot. And Reedy's probably going to be out. And he's another right-handed shot. So really the only right-handed shots on the team right now are McManus, uh, Tyler Nanny. Uh, Jack Ramsey, and only two of those guys have been playing on the power play. So it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting opportunity for him, especially this weekend. Well, one thing that I really enjoyed was his first goal was his patience. You know, he just kind of did that little hesitation, kind of pulled back and took a shot. It, it's something you typically don't see from young players that that heads up that intelligence to you know if I just hold it for a second the defenseman will get in a position where I can get it by them and the goalie. And I, I was kind of really impressed by that. Um, well, it's also pulling the puck either towards your body or away from your body and still getting it off heavy. And that's something, you know, people who watch the NHL, that's something Austin Matthews does probably better than anybody in hockey right now. And a lot of guys have picked up on that and they're trying to emulate the same thing. Um, I think, you know, a year or two ago, you saw guys trying to shoot in stride. Um, I think this new thing is is to change the angle and these composite sticks. You can still get a lot on it. Yes, you can. Uh, Nate Wells already giving us a hard time via Twitter saying he said on the first show that he's a guy who can score in bunches. And boy, did he ever, Nate. Um, he might be able to score in bunches, but this is still, you know, uh, uh, a league that's a little, little further up the totem pole. And, uh, and he wasn't one of those big names that we heard coming in. You know, everyone was all about Middlestead. It, they, that's just how it was. And uh, and luckily, Middlestead is performing, and Middlestead is uh, is doing very well. He doesn't have you know quite the goals that uh, McManus has. Obviously, since McManus had a hat trick. Um, but uh, all, all I care about Nate is that it's a very positive look on what we need right now. Like you said, with some key players out. And I don't know how Nate knows this because McManus <laughs> didn't score any hat tricks in the USHL, according to Nate's Twitter feed. Gopher State, follow him. He's great. He's one of my colleagues contributing articles to The Athletic. 
Oh, yes. And he's always listening to us. Uh, so it's a, uh, and, and if you're listening live, you know, you can always tweet us your questions. Just use the hashtag, uh, GPL podcast, and we'll try to get to, uh, get to your questions. You know, we love those questions. We love that live interactive stuff that we've got going on. And I think one of the things for McManus is he got to play with Tommy Novak this last weekend. And that's really going to be a nice thing for him. Novak probably has got the best vision on the team. You know, he's coming back from the ACL injury. So his skating, I don't think is all the way back. I think he's kind of rushing back into the season because he wants to play so much. Um, but I think his skating is still taking a while to get back. But his hands and vision are still there. And he got assists on two of McManus's goals. And that should be a pair that you should watch for this weekend as well. Well, we're going to need something this weekend because, like you said, with some key players out, you know, you know, like you said, Reedy was one of those freshmen that people were going to kind of count on this uh, this year, and not really. I guess I'm not really sure what the injuries are. Do we do we really know what the injuries are with uh, both Reedy and Cheedy? Um, we know that Reedy, <laughs> she, that's a cheaty. Reedy oh, uh, took an injury up in upper body. He got a stick, and I think he fell a little awkwardly. Um, Lucia isn't saying it's a long-term thing. Um, he skated today a little bit, but he, he wasn't a full participant, I don't think. Um, and they're pl- preparing as if he won't be ready. Uh, Sheehy, I'm, I'm not sure what it is. They say it's something he picked up in practice. Um, we'll see. He wasn't on the ice last Wednesday, but he skated today. And and one thing people need to remember that, you know, we don't want this to be something that lasts the whole season. So, you know, they might be out this weekend, which is a very important weekend, but uh, it's more important that they're back healthy, you know, for the stretch run. So it, that that's just how it is. I, you know they want to play. Yeah, this is a big weekend for players going up to North Dakota. As Lucia said, you know, they don't get to do this very often. Next year the game will be in Las Vegas. The year after that, the players will be coming to Mariucci so they don't go again to Grand Forks for another uh, couple of years. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a little while. So, any other thoughts on Penn State? Obviously, obviously, it's it's uh, you know games. We it's a Big Ten games now, so you know uh, that's three lost points right there. So, um, I I wasn't too surprised by the split. I was disappointed with the performance on Friday. But I think Penn State is a good enough team where if you don't have a good game going, they're going to make you pay. Uh, Peyton Jones is a pretty solid goalie for them. You know, he made some big saves, including <laughs> already an early candidate for save of the year on Smetula on Friday night. Uh, maybe Smetula pressing a little bit to get his his first goal, but uh, a heck of a save by the goalie. And you know, they've got some skill, and they're going to score goals. So it was a tough matchup, and. Just a reminder, no easy games on the Gopher schedule. <laughs> well, definitely no easy games at all. And, and we don't see Penn State again until the very last series of the year, I believe. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a ways away. It, it, it is a ways away. So. so we'll just have to wait and see, folks. Well, we're going to go get Brad on the line here. And while we're doing that, we'll have this commercial from our sponsor. VintageMNHockey.com is a proud sponsor of the GPL podcast. Well, what is Vintage MN Hockey? Well, it's kind of the place to get all of your history of Minnesota hockey, from the pros to the minors to the collegiate teams to even the high school teams. All information about any of those teams can be found on VintageMNHockey.com. 
They also have great interviews with some historical Minnesota hockey figures like John Mayasich and Lou Nanny, Glenn Sonmore, some of the greats of Minnesota hockey. So make sure you check out those interviews. It's a really great thing. But as like I always say, I think my favorite part is the store. The store, you can buy a custom historical jersey from the Gophers or the Bulldogs or some of your favorite high school teams. And if you do make a purchase, just use the code GPL podcast, all one word, and you'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you visit VintageMNHockey.com and follow them on Twitter at VintageMNHockey. All right. Well, thanks for Vintage as a, our sponsor this year. Um, Vigo, it's obviously the big weekend going up to North Dakota. It's been a long time. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to it, but uh, also looking forward to it is Mr. Brad Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald. Brad, thanks for joining us. For sure, guys. We appreciate having you on. I know Vigo set this up earlier in this week, and he always thought you'd be a, a great guest to have on. So I'm like, well, this is the perfect time to do it. Well, I hope I don't let him down. <laughs> Not many people know college hockey like you, Brad. I mean, you're the one of the guys voting for Mankato in the top five. I did. I had them number two preseason. Um, and, uh, you know, they lost that game to St. Cloud, but you got to like the shot totals. And now I'm feeling pretty confident after they went out to BU. Yeah. The Mankato, uh, watch out, people. They're, they're going to be a force to reckon with this year. Um, well, boy, let's first let's start off with the big controversy this week, and actually that's been building, um, Brad, obviously the TV situation, and uh, we all know that uh, Midco owns the rights to this, and uh, you know they, they can do whatever they want, but I'm guessing you're not only hearing from the Gopher fans, but there are many UND alumni here in the Twin Cities that are not happy that they may not be able to see this game. Well, at this point, I would say stay tuned because <laughs> I do think they are working behind the scenes to try to get something done. Um, but, yeah, I mean, otherwise you, you are going to have a lot of people in the Twin Cities. As as you mentioned, it's it's a big alumni base for North Dakota. Uh, obviously, the Minnesota fans are there, a lot of people there that uh, uh, want to watch the game on TV and um, don't want to order NCHC TV for the weekend. But, uh <laughs> You know, um, we'll see what happens. I, I'm still thinking something will end up getting done before the weekend. Yeah, they are working on some of the stuff behind the scenes. I, I do know that officially they do have uh, Mediacom set up to to broadcast the game. Mediacom is a small cable provider for mostly rural towns like the one I live in, and you know, places like <laughs> and like places like Hutchinson and Waconia and and those kind of places. So, Mediacom is going to have it. Um, um, okay. From what I'm hearing so far, they're just like, stay tuned. Um, really, they need to get the, the some of the big guys, you know, your Comcast, um, your your Dish, your your D- DirecTV. So, and like you said, uh, they're still working, wheeling and dealing. Um, I think they know that, uh, you know, they, they figured, oh, it's just Gopher fans. But then they realized, you know, oh, boy, there are a lot of North Dakota fans down here who work here. And uh, yeah. that's a lot of unhappy yeah. people. One of the dynamics here that's at play um, is uh, Midco is moving into Fargo. They've been doing that the last couple of years. Um, they want people who have Cable One to watch Midco. And that's why they've limited the number of games that are on 
Fox College Sports. UND used to have every game nationally on Fox College Sports. Now it's down to five right now as they're trying to make Fargo people with Cable One move over to having Midco Cable. So um, Comcast um, potentially isn't huge into the Midco markets. So maybe you know, I, I shouldn't say speak too deeply about this. I don't know all the markets Comcast is in, but um, maybe there is something they can work out with Comcast. I, I don't know if Midco competes heavily with them, but uh, you know that's one of the things they they paid the million some dollars for the rights and don't want to have a bunch of people watching the games on competing networks. So that's kind of uh, what's going on here right now. But yeah, stay tuned. Um, I think something eventually will get done. It's just part of the college hockey world now. I mean, you know, when everything kind of broke up, people started doing their own TV, and and unfortunately the fans are still pining for the old days. I mean, you probably still hear it too, you know. Oh, we missed the Final Five, the WCHA. Um, all the games were on Fox. You'd see all these big games, and, uh, it, you know, college hockey changed, folks, and you just kind of have to adapt with it. Everyone's got their own kind of deals now um and, and that's just that's just the way it was you know it was that way up in Duluth a couple weeks ago you know it's just kind of a fact of life now yeah it you know obviously college athletics is is becoming bigger and bigger business and uh you know I, I know some people you know you mentioned to me on Twitter you know this is another um part of the breakup of the leagues but actually I don't think the leagues have anything to do with it I think if they're all in the WCHA UND still signs a deal with Midco. Okay. Um, uh, you know, you're not just going to leave, you know, over a million dollars on the table. Um, yeah, you still sign the deal with Midco, and Midco still wants, uh, uh, you know, to fight for uh, its business. So, um, you know, I, I just think the business itself has changed. Well, that is true. <laughs> that is true. Viggs, have you already bought the NCHC TV package for this weekend? I have purchased the package. It's it's not that big of a price, and you get to watch all the games in the league in a condensed version. You can go back. I, for some reason, am a glutton for punishment. I went back and watched the Duluth game just to look at the zone <laughs> entries for the Gophers, and that was one of the nice things about the package. And uh, you can do that in the Big Ten games too. I, I watched a little bit more of Penn State, Minnesota on Friday night just to see how bad it was again. Yeah, it's, it's kind of nice. You can do, like, picture-in-picture picture stuff. So, obviously, I don't watch any of the games when they're on because I'm at the North Dakota games. Um, but if North Dakota ever has a weekend off, I'm at home just nerding out hardcore with all these CHC games going up. So, um, I personally enjoy it. You know, Gopher fans uh, probably aren't quite as interested in the NCHC. So, um, but who knows? You know, college hockey fans love college hockey, too. Uh, they definitely do. I mean, and that's just one of the things. Obviously, this is one of the, the, the biggest rivalries out there. There's been a lot of hate over the years. I think some of that hate has subsided because they are no longer in the same league. But, uh, um, boy, there's still a lot of us fans out there who, who love these these games. I mean, they've been there have been so many great games, you know, <laughs> coming from the Gophers' perspective that have been great and then have been terrible. And the same thing on the North Dakota side. They've been yeah. some great results and some terrible results. Um, but that's what makes a rivalry so great. And, and it's and it's nice that we're back playing this. Um, obviously, the U kind of had their you know, issues with the Indian name, which was just ridiculous. Oh, it's out of our control. Yeah, okay, well, the fans really suffered these past years until they started playing again last year, Brad. Yeah, I just think it's one of those series where um, 
first of all, like you said, one of the reasons why it's been so good is that it's kind of gone back and forth, and uh, you don't know who's going to win when when you head to the rink. Um, they've had dramatic games. I I was saying, how many times have you left one of those games where you're like, ah, that was really boring? Like, <laughs> there's always something happening. Like, it's always just fantastic. Like, it would be great to watch a, a seven-game series uh, between the teams because they just so often deliver. Like, we, we hype these games up all week, and they deliver somehow almost every time. Um, they have so many dramatic endings. And, you know, I was telling someone earlier this week that, you know, all you need to do is say a guy's name, and you know exactly what game <laughs> I'm talking about. Yeah. All you need to do is say Blake Wheeler, Evan Trupp, Robbie Bina, 0.6, the timeout, Neil Broughton. Everyone knows exactly what you're talking about, and that's that's what, what makes the rivalry great. Oh, boy, that that, that is true. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I look back to 2007. You know, you've got that wonderful final five game in front of, you know, 19-some-odd thousand at the XL Energy Center. And the sad thing is the next weekend in Denver, they had another wonderful game, but it just wasn't quite the same atmosphere. Um, another well, another overtime thr- yeah. another overtime thriller in front of about a third of a bound of people <laughs> in that arena. It was It was kind of a ghost town. Well, nothing's not, nothing's ever the same as that that the final five because you know even even the series at the whole home venues are phenomenal, but the final five where you have you know half Minnesota fans and half North Dakota fans was uh, uh, just something that was a, a sight to see and it's too bad that you know uh, fans starting to grow up right now aren't going to be able to uh, experience that because uh, those games were just phenomenal. Vega, what are some of your favorite men- memories of uh, Gophers UND? I mean, they've had some great tournament games. I mean, obviously, point six and you know the Wheeler goal, but basically any Final Five at Excel was just peak college hockey. You know, like Brad was saying, you get half North Dakota fans and half Minnesota fans there for one of those games, and it's just a great atmosphere. You know, you've got so many passionate fans, and it's not the Corpies either. You know, these are the true fans who get these tickets early and come to the games and stand up and, and cheer, and it creates a great atmosphere. And I think that's one of the best things about this rivalry is, is the fans really care, and there's some real animosity between the fans. You know, Don Lucio is saying some of his favorite things is, you know, gophers on the ice and guys behind him drinking eight, nine beers. That's a great <laughs> atmosphere. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I should hate this series because do you know how many times these two teams have ruined my deadline? <laughs> I mean, like, I'm never able to write, start writing the game story before the final buzzer because something happens. So um, it, as a writer, it's certainly been interesting. I was actually in the elevator during Blake Wheeler's goal. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, so uh, we had an early deadline that night. I had to send in my first-run game story during um, the intermission after the third period. And back then at the XL, they didn't have wireless internet in the press box, and you had to pay to get a line. So I would always go in the photographer's room because there were a couple live hard lines in there. I would plug in and um, send from down there. So I sent it during intermission, came back up. I get a call at the start of overtime and they said, I never got your story. And oh, I said, no. 
Well, make sure you check because I sent it, and if you didn't get it, I have to go back downstairs. He said, no, I didn't. So I sprinted down there. I went in the elevator, and those of you who have been in the X know you get off the elevator, and there's that TV up to the right right there, and I look up, and they're all celebrating. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> what just happened? I have no idea. And, uh, yeah, so uh, that's one of my uh, uh, funny stories from the, that rivalry. I uh, I was, you know, as a photographer, right behind the net um, um, where Wheeler scored, and I had no idea it was coming. I was not ready. I mean, you can – I have seen myself on the video replay in the background – all of a sudden grabbing my camera and trying to take a picture after the fact. So I, I was front and center and I completely missed it. So I, I think, I think only actually one person, somebody from, uh, um, the stands actually got a photo of Wheeler diving and hitting the puck. Huh. I know our friend, uh, Jim Rosevold also was not prepared and he was just, you know, 20 feet away from me around the side, the side trying to get that shot. And, he obviously got a great shot of Wheeler celebrating, but he missed it as well. It was just a very unexpected <laughs> play, but another of one of those great memories that we've had with this series. And, and then, you know, it was too bad the next game that they played was in Denver because if that would have been played at the X, it would have been a repeat. Um, obviously, yeah. obviously in North Dakota's favor that time, it would have been a repeat because it was another classic game. But people tend to not remember that second game the next week, which was a much more important game. <laughs> when uh, North Dakota defeated Minnesota, it's just well, you know, you know it's kind of where uh, you are and, and how big the crowd was. And, and uh, you know, it's it's kind of interesting too. Is um, we can talk about you know 2012 too. Uh, most of the especially up here, I don't know, maybe it's different down there, but in, in Grand Forks, everyone remembers the comeback, the timeout game, and the next week Minnesota ended up beating North Dakota in the. Um, uh, regional final to go to Tampa and no one really talks about that one up here granted that one wasn't a, you know a down to the wire classic game but um, yeah it's kind of funny that the two uh, final five games are the ones that everyone remembers uh, those years when they actually both played in the regional although people up here do remember the Chris Porter goal just you know simply because it's a better memory for people here but um, <laughs> the, d definitely the one that people talk about are the two final five games well, well, tell us about the squad this year up in uh, Grand Forks. Uh, how are they looking so far? Well, it, it's a little bit different type of team. You know, you don't have the, the Brock Besser, Tyson Jost uh, superstar on the team, but uh, they do have pretty good depth. Uh, you know, they have 17 guys with points right now. Nobody has more than three points. So you have 17 guys within two points of each other, which is uh, you don't see too often. Um you know, they're tied for their leading scorer right now is defenseman Casey Johnson, who um, might have been last in scoring on the team last year, pretty close to it. So it's just been an interesting year uh, to start, but I think that's the type of team they're going to have. Um, North Dakota's opened the season at Anchorage, who's predicted to finish uh, among the bottom teams in the WCHA, and St. Lawrence, who's probably predicted middle-of-the-pack ECAC. So I don't know if we know a ton about North Dakota at this point. I think this, this weekend and the next three weeks as a whole, we're going to learn a whole lot more about North Dakota because they play uh, Minnesota, CC, and Wisconsin coming up. And uh, I think uh, these games will teach us a lot about the team. You know, I kind of miss that CC squad. 
Um, they've really kind of fallen on hard times the last few years, and uh, we've seen a lot of, you know, you guys have had a lot of great games with them. Minnesota's had a lot of great games and, and seasons, and it's, mm. it's kind of sad to see where CC has gone in the last five years. Yeah, you know, at, at the end of last year, I thought they were a really tough team to play against. Um, they, they had a lot of really good players, but what they were missing, it was it was kind of like, um, they don't have that Marty Sertich, Brett Sterling, Tom Pricing. They they always had Peter Sania. They always had um, one or two guys that were just you know they you, kill you. <laughs> yes, they would kill you. <laughs> and, and they they don't have that guy. They haven't had it since uh, the Schwartz brothers left. Um, you know maybe Alexander Krushelniski was a solid player, but they just haven't had that. Um, guy who just uh, scares the daylights out of every opponent they play, and and I think that's what they need. They they have a solid core there. They just need a a, a couple guys who are going to be the game breakers to to try to get back in the mold. Now, Viggs, what is the key for Minnesota going into this weekend? Obviously, they're missing some of their key players. Um, is this one of those weekends where uh, you know what we've talked about in the past, where you know they can they need to take opportunities when they can and not force things like they have done against uh, big opponents recently? Well, I think the big key for Minnesota right now is not to get into a special teams battle. Either way, I don't, I don't know if they can really count on their power play. You know, if they're taking penalties and their penalty kill has been pretty shaky if they do lose their discipline. Uh, you know, the turnovers are obviously something to watch. Uh, the other thing to look for is face-offs. Uh, Don Lucia, I think, got the scouting report from Brad on a lot of the team's depth and and senior leadership and you know no big superstars. But he also mentioned they're about sixty percent in the dot, whereas Minnesota, I think, is about forty four, forty five percent. So that's a big difference. You know, Minnesota lost Latari and Clouse, who took all their big draws last year, and now you have you know Novak, who's coming off his injury. He's now very you know big guy in the dot. He's going to rely more on quickness. You know, you've got Casey Middlestad, who's a freshman, who's, who's new to all this. Uh, you've got Romanko and Smatula. Uh, you know, not a lot of experience there winning lots of key draws. So I think that's something to watch for in this series. And, and you've mentioned that this has really affected their power play. You know, you lose that faceoff in the, you know, in the power play, you, you know, another 20, 30 seconds has gone from your power play already. Yep. And then, you know, if the kill, it adds another 20 seconds to the other team's uh, power play because they don't have to go chase it. And I think that's been part of the problem for Minnesota is they've been on the penalty kill too long every game, and they've got new guys going into those roles, um, and it's a little bit much for them to chew on right now. That's definitely something to watch this weekend, too. With North Dakota's penalty kill, the area they've had the most success in is um, uh, preventing zone entries. When they can get that first clear their penalty kill's been pretty good the last few years. They, they've made it tough for teams to get zone entries and get set back up. So definitely a tough uh, or, or something to watch this weekend. But uh, I think if you ask North Dakota, they don't want to get in a special teams battle either. So uh, kind of funny that neither team probably wants to get into that. And if the history of the series tells us something, we may get into that. <laughs> Well, either way, you know, it's wonderful that uh, the team is going back up to Grand Forks for the first time in forever. I mean, I haven't been on a road trip to Grand Forks in a while. Um, I, I should have planned it this year. I thought about doing it. thought about doing a, you know, another trip to uh, Winnipeg and seeing the, the Wild play Friday night and maybe the Gophers UND Saturday night. But uh, 
As always, Brad, it is a tough ticket up there. Yeah, they they uh, sold um, tickets for ninety nine a seat, which is the most they've ever sold a UND Athletics sporting event ticket for, and they didn't last uh, a second. So um, obviously, uh, the demand is uh, extremely high. The time off. Um, from not playing here, it can go one of two ways. It either increases the, the interest or people lose interest, and clearly people have not lost interest in, in this series at all. Well, last year I know that there were still a lot of empty seats in Mariucci Vigs. Um, I really don't think we're going to see that in Grand Forks this year. No, not a lot of other things to do in Grand Forks. You've know, you got the Olive Garden. <laughs> the Olive Garden. Yeah, you've got the, the Ralph. I think the Ralph is going to be packed. So, well, I must say, I expect a great atmosphere. The times I have gone, I have had a great time as a fan. Um, people call, you know, you've always got idiot fans from both sides. And, you know, if you just, as a fan of college hockey, if you're not having fun at these games and if you're just drinking crazy and just being a jerk, <laughs> Um, that's what your experience is going to be. But my experience has always been pretty good up there. I mean, I, you, know, you get the back then the Sioux fans giving us a hard time. Um, and that's, that's, that's what the whole atmosphere was about. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back up there again sometime, maybe in a few years, Brad, but, uh, um, you had mentioned, we talked earlier that, uh, asking me if I'm going to Vegas. Um, I assume you're going to Vegas. Viggs, should we go to Vegas? We'll work on it. <laughs> I got to go to Duluth this year, so I, you know, I get one early trip a year. <laughs> oh, Vegas will be quite interesting to have. You know, I'm not sure Vegas can handle that many uh, college hockey fans in a town because, uh, as you know, Brad, it, we're kind of a different breed. Yeah, it's it's going to be, uh, you know. I can already have visions of North Dakota and Minnesota fans roaming the strip with drinks in hand. It's, <laughs> it's so good. People are going to be confused. People are going to be real confused. <laughs> yeah, they won't know what hit them. So, <laughs> so, so we've got the, the, the Vegas game next year. I believe the following year they come for a pair here mm-hmm. and then yep. back for a pair in North Dakota the following year after that. Is that correct? Yep. And, and then two more. Then they go back to Mariucci and then back to North Dakota. Oh. So they're signed up for five years beyond um, this weekend. Well, that's something I love to hear. Hopefully, you know, in future years, uh, the television problem won't be there. Uh, <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. Um, vi- well, I think uh, Don Lucia likes having uh, Barry at North Dakota. There were some uh, silence shots fired today at uh, Haskell's old teams and, and methods. <laughs> I didn't hear those yet. I got to, I got a recording of the uh, uh, the uh, presser, but I haven't gone through all of it yet. Well, actually, Vigo records the whole thing, so we'll be able to play that entire piece at the end of the podcast tonight. So, uh, or if you're listening on the download, uh, um, yeah, Lu- I don't think Lucia was a big fan of Mr. Hackstall. Yeah, I I don't know if uh, you know it, it's tough to know exactly because uh, you know Dave Hackstall isn't uh, super uh, upfront about or open about that type of thing. You know, he's kind of a more everything belongs behind the scenes uh, uh, with those type of things. But um, I, I think Dave Hackstall was recruited to Fairbanks when Lucia was there. Really, and ended up. Um, he ended up not going there, and I think uh, he may have been told a scholarship wasn't available anymore. 
Are you there? I've heard rumors of the same uh, same incident happening. So I, I know he verbally committed there. Um, I asked him what happened, and he said he 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 didn't end up there, and that's about all he said about it. So, um, <laughs> the Brad, that's a great post game question for the Don, regardless of the outcome of either <laughs> game on Friday or Saturday. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's. Uh, <laughs> I had no wonderful. idea about that one. That's 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 good stuff. That's... We could do a whole podcast on questions we could ask ask each side after the game that would <laughs> entertain the masses and get us uh, get us some fantastic stares. Well, <laughs> I, I I'm just hoping it's another fun weekend. I'm hoping it's a close you know a close games you know obviously you know on our side we want the Gophers to win and um, it's always good on your side when your team wins. So. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I'm guessing it's, it's going to be a, on my deadline to be. <laughs> you don't want Ben Blood to cause problems in the handshake line again. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was just a few years ago. Uh, that you know, I I I tweeted out that audio today of, of Wally Schaefer uh, calling that uh, Ben Blood thing and bunch of hose heads go form your own league. And um, that's one thing I love about hockey; it just brings out the the old timers and some people because that was definitely. Uh, vintage Wally Shaver when when he started calling out Ben Blood right on the radio. I'm like, is this really happening? But 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 it seems to happen every series. Something happens almost every something series. Happens. Something happens. Um, I you know I don't think really you know we had some great games last year and didn't. I think it's because they hadn't played in a while. But something's going to happen this weekend, Vigs. I don't know what, but something weird is going to happen. It, it, it something <laughs> has to happen, Vigs. Yeah, it was kind of funny. I was asking Ryan Lindgren about this game and, you know, if it suits his game. And he, he lit up and he's like, sure does. <laughs> he's like, last year we had a little bit of a scrum where somebody went after Pitlick. And, you know, I was young, freshman, excited, third weekend. And he goes right after the uh, North Dakota captain and starts a, a little bit of a scrum. So we might see the same thing happen on Friday night. Yeah, Lindgren's from uh, the cities, isn't he? Is yeah. Lakeville or something. Yep. Yes. Yeah, we had uh, we had a kid from the Twin Cities and a kid from uh, Greater Grand Forks uh, mixing it up a, a couple minutes into the game just to let everyone know uh, the rivalry is still there. So I I, I kind of got a little bit of a laugh out of that when I saw those two guys going. I'm like, all right, they hadn't played in a while, but it's still here. <laughs> it's it's almost like these these young players, you know, they they grew up watching a lot of the stuff we were talking about. Yeah, you know the, the Wheeler, the point six, and at least with a lot of guys in Minnesota, you know they commit to Minnesota because they've been watching the Gophers their entire life, and that's the team they want to play for. And we talk about these recruiting battles that they get into for Minnesota with a lot of these guys. That's where they wanted to be from the get go, and I think it's the same thing for guys who sign with North Dakota. You know, yeah. what what a reason they had that allegiance right there, right from the get go, and so. You know, this rivalry goes back a long way, even though these guys have never played against each other. Yeah, and you know what? This week, it also makes you feel a little bit old when you're talking to some recruits or some some young, some freshmen and sophomores on the team, and they're like, yeah, I remember when I was really little. I was like eight years old, and my dad brought me to the game where um, Evan Shrupp batted it out of uh, midair. I'm like, oh, my God, you were eight when that happened? <laughs> like, that seems like it was like three years ago, but... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Well, how long have you been covering the team for uh, the Grand Forks Herald? 
Uh, the 2005 was my first year. Okay. So. Okay. So you have yeah. you have seen a lot of good stuff. You know, we started I actually. Have. Um, that final five in 2007 was the first year that uh, Gopher Puck Live was credentialed for the final five. And, boy, <laughs> I'm like, boy, are they all going to be like this? Because it was, it, it was a blast. I, I, I must say it was a, it was a, a crazy weekend. And uh, that, that was kind of our introduction to big-time hockey and covering games was that, you know, 2007 final five. So. Hey, and I, I actually started at the Herald in 2003. I just wasn't the beat writer, but I was um, the backup in 2004. And this is a game people almost have forgotten about because there's been so many other ridiculous things that have happened. But the the Final Five title game in 2004, when it was Parisi and Bochensky going back and forth with um, Vanek and I, I think it was Patoni. Patoni, yeah. Uh, that was one heck of a college hockey game, too, that, that people don't talk about. Oh, it was pure entertainment. Um, yeah. yeah. You have, you know, obviously some guys who became um, very popular in the NHL with, you know, with Vanek and Parisi. Um, and like, and oh my gosh, did you say Bochanski too? Does that name come yeah. out? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I will never forget the Bochanski bucks, you know, the whole. <laughs> Uh, faking $20 bills and, and whatnot. I mean, those are the kind of stories that we miss. I mean, these <laughs> kids getting into trouble, kids throwing lawnmowers. Um, uh, obviously, we had kids uh, mixing Long Island iced teas. I, I, I kind of miss those days. These, these players are a little more protected than they were back then. Uh, but uh, So that's part of the fun that I miss. Uh, I'm just glad that they did play a few years ago in the Frozen Four. You know, obviously the the point six, uh, we, uh, the Gopher fans love it, but I think that was one thing that, you know, since they hadn't played in the regular season in a while, that's kind of one thing that kept this rivalry going during the downtime. And now that it's back, you know, it came back last year. I think it's really going to ramp up this weekend because they did play each other last year, and uh, it's going to be you know thousands of rabid North Dakota fans in a very hostile environment. Um, I am really looking forward to this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think when you get that many fans in there that are going to be that revved up, it's impossible for the players not to get going. You, you, no matter whether you've been part of the rivalry or even if you know nothing about it, um, how do you not get going when you when you see that crowd and hear it? Uh, I think um, both teams will, should be at their best this weekend. Brad, you were talking. Oh, go ahead, Viggs. I was just saying, I was thinking one of the most exciting things to watch this weekend will be how Casey Middlestat handles the atmosphere. This will be his only trip to Grand Forks as a gopher, more than likely. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's flashed a lot already this season, and you know he's going to want to play well in this weekend. Well, I, I think he'll be fine. <laughs> I've watched him a little bit. Um, you know, the, the games I've seen, I've actually got to see a couple of Minnesota games this year. And um, when he has the puck on his stick, he does what he wants to do with it. Um, you know, he's he's a, a big-time player. Uh, I think the, one of the things to watch is uh, how the, the Minnesota d defensemen handle a, a lot of pressure coming at them. If they can play in the offensive zone and Middlestack gets the puck in the offensive zone, he's going to score, and, and Minnesota's going to score. Um, but they have to avoid those mistakes that end up in the back of their net. And that's what's killed them so far, hasn't it, Viggs? 
Yeah, and I think one of the things with Milstead is he's so good in the offensive zone about protecting the puck and exploding into space and creating scoring opportunities. And when he gets a lot of guys drawn to him, he's got the vision to distribute the puck. Mm-hmm. And if he's playing with a guy like Rem Pitlick who can really fire it, you know, it's it's a dangerous line to play against. For sure. That you know, that's why I think North Dakota is going to do everything they can to uh, make him play in the D zone. Um, and, and that's something to watch. You know, like I said, if, if North Dakota can make the Minnesota play in their own end, uh, North Dakota has a good chance of uh, winning this weekend. Uh, if Middlestead uh, has the puck in the offensive zone a lot on on a lot of his shifts, uh, Minnesota is probably going to win this weekend. So um, that that's going to be a really key matchup to watch uh, uh, where the puck is. And I think another I- interesting matchup is is North Dakota. We're, we're going to see are the third and fourth lines because. Uh, that's where North Dakota's strength is. Uh, they've um, had a pretty good time when their third and fourth lines are out there um, outdoing the other team's third and fourth lines. And I watched the game on uh, Sunday, and, uh, you know, part of the Minnesota-Penn State game on Sunday and really liked. I thought the Romanko uh, line was really good. And so I think we're going to see some really good third and fourth lines going at it too. And so that's going to be another key matchup. I that. Uh, you say Romanko. I mean that he, he, he they have been him and uh, Ramsey. Well, uh, Ramsey's no longer on that line, but uh, they have been kind of the key cogs and the key penalty killers. And uh, uh, I, I'm hope I'm hoping they play well as, as well too. And I I think you're going to see Romanko, Ramsey, and Norman mixed throughout the lineup. Uh, it's not clear yet what the lines are going to be for the Gophers coming in the weekend. But Lucia's like the way that Ramsey and Norman have elevated their games when they've been in you know more scoring roles with more skilled players. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to know what you're going to see for lines yet out of Minnesota. I think you'll see uh, Middlestead and Pitlick together. Um, I think you'll see Novak and uh, McManus together, but I'm not sure about the rest of the lineup. Now, Brad, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say same thing here. North Dakota has been shuffling lines every single game. So, um, who knows what we'll see this weekend? It's it's early. That's kind of typical what happens yes. early in the year. Mm-hmm. So, Brad, um, I understand you uh, you're working on an article in the next day or so, or the, about uh, the the North Dakota Minnesota series, but from a different perspective, and that's from the the referee perspective. Uh, what can we expect to hear from you on that? Yeah, it'll probably be hitting our website in a half hour. Okay. Right. Um, so sometime tonight, I, I filed it about uh, three minutes before uh, I jumped on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I just thought that, that might be an interesting storyline. We always talk about what a crazy series this is. Uh, what if you're the guy responsible for uh, keeping a lid on the series? Like, what's it like being that guy? Uh, so I talked to the guys who have roughed it more than anyone else, which would be um, uh, Derek Shepard, uh, Don Adam, and Mike Schmidt. Oh boy! In, in the last twenty years, I, I think those three have, pro- including Marco Hunt, have probably refed as as much as anyone. So, um, you know, I think uh, uh, they had some interesting stories to tell. They had some funny memories and funny lines. Um, you know, some of them liked them. Marco Hunt did not like refing that series <laughs> for, for obvious reasons. But, uh, yeah, you'll have to uh, check that out. It's a, a kind of a, a fun angle to hear what it's like to, to be a ref uh, when these two teams get together. And, and on the flip side, Vigo, you're working on a, a Casey Middlestead article. 
Yep, I got to talk to him before the season, and during the year I've talked to Scott Bell and Cal Dietz and Don Lucia and a bunch of his teammates to kind of see how you know, he adjusted to coming to college hockey, you know, how his training going. Uh, we'll talk about the pull-ups, um, <laughs> his skill, all kinds of stuff. So there'll be some good uh, insight in there from those guys. Well, you, you and I listened to some of that pull-up audio that uh, you captured, and that was, some, that was some good stuff from Casey. So, um, yep, And that'll be Friday morning. And that's on The Athletic. So, you know, if people haven't started subscribing to that, you need to get out there and subscribe to that. It's, it's good stuff. And I understand that they're uh, – you know, Russo was mentioning today that they're also adding a lot of Vikings coverage within the next week as well, aren't they, Vegas? Yep, they hired uh, Britt Robson to hire uh, cover the Timberwolves this week, and they'll announce their Viking writer here shortly. And there's a 30% off promo going on right now. Um, I'll retweet it here after the show. Oh, it's good stuff. It, but, well, we like the hockey coverage. I mean, you and Nate are covering, and even uh, I believe Jess Myers is part of it. And, um, uh, it's just nice to have Bruce. more hockey coverage. Go ahead, Brad. Yeah, Bruce Siski, I think, is doing some too, maybe. Yes, he is. Uh, we, we, we spoke to him uh, at length a little bit last weekend, and, you know, we should get Bruce on the show, shouldn't we, too, Eags? He'd be a good guest. be a good perspective, He'd yeah. He'd be a good guest. You know, maybe we'll get him on later in the season towards, a, you know, towards a, you know, regional time because I have a feeling Minnesota and Minnesota Duluth are going to run into one of each other. You know, I have a feeling we're all going to end up in Sioux Falls, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> That would be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> I was I was surprised Minnesota didn't end up in, in Fargo last year. Obviously, Duluth did, and uh, I, that would have been something to build on right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a, a regional, you know, in in big UND territory. Um, you know, we we've talked about this recently. You know, Vigo and I, and even Hammy as well. That uh, no one else is bidding for these regionals. North Dakota and Minnesota are yeah. pretty much it these days. And North Dakota's got uh, was it three or four in a row that they're hosting because no one else is hosting. And there's not many facilities to host. Um, uh, you, you, you hear about a lot of the other schools complaining, but you know what? They could host as well. They don't have to host in their home arena, but they, you know, some of these other schools have not stepped up. It's really only been Minnesota and, and, and North Dakota the past 10 years that have really stepped up for a West Regional. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been very interesting. Um, I think Vigo knows how I feel about the regionals. We've had some uh, conversations about that <laughs> before. Um, you know, I you know I would like to see them go back to home sites just simply because, um, you know, I, I just don't know if it's fair for, uh, you know, if you, if you were in a one seed and uh, you end up in Fargo against North Dakota, I mean, I don't know. Uh, that that's happened too many times, and this is, this goes back to way before North Dakota was ever hosting regionals. You know, I remember Miami has earned a one seed twice in the last decade. Um, one time they got sent to New Hampshire to play New Hampshire first round. The other time they got sent to Providence to play Providence first round, and they lost both of them. And so, you know, for from Miami's perspective, here's your two greatest teams of the last decade, and that's the draw you earned after a long five month season. You know, I, I don't know. That's I, I think that uh, if you are in that one seed, uh, you deserve the advantage. And uh, I, I would like to see teams that earn the advantage through their play on the ice get rewarded rather than teams that earn the advantage through good administrative work two years earlier. <laughs> so 
just my thoughts. Nobody agrees with me, so I, I have no illusions that anything's going to change, but um, that's that's my thoughts. You know, Brad, I had a great talk with Jim Montgomery about this, and he thinks a best of three first round at a high seed would be great hockey. He yeah. thinks, you know, you get those game threes on ESPN, you know, the, co- the coverage won't be as wide as it is now, but I think the games will be better. Yeah, and I, I don't think, um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, that'll ruin the upsets, and, and there won't be upsets anymore. My first few thoughts are, A, are there any upsets anymore? Or, or is there anything like we think when a, a team, when a four seed wins first round, is it, were, were we really like, oh, my gosh, Notre Dame beat Minnesota? That's just crazy. I mean, no. I mean, that's a there. So many four seats have won. What is it, 12 years in a row a four seed has won? It's there. We've eliminated the fact of the upset because there really are no upsets. Um, B, I do think teams would win best two or three on the road. And C, if the top four seeds all reach the frozen four, would that be a huge disaster? You know, I <laughs> I think that would be a phenomenal hockey. So um, those are my thoughts on it. I, I know a lot of people disagree with me and it, it's a it's a fun chat to have, I think, though. And we, we see upsets in the conference tournaments, even when they're yeah. home hosted in the first yeah. round. I mean, that happens. You exactly. know, Alaska Anchorage came to Mariucci and beat the Gophers. Yeah, and we're, we're, you're talking an Alaska Anchorage team that was probably 40 in the pairwise, and we're talking about teams that are going to be 15. Like, there's no bad team that's going to be in the tournament. So uh, upsets are going to happen. I'd like to see it actually. I mean, you see these empty regionals that uh, have no atmosphere and and not much going on. I mean, uh, is it to the point where the NCAA just doesn't care? Or I well, there's a lot of teams. The there's a lot of teams that don't like the teams getting home ice advantage. And if you look at it and you think about it, yeah, it's probably going to be an advantage for the top college hockey teams. And uh, a lot of the teams in, you know, the Atlantic Hockeys and the ECACs and some of these, uh, you know, the ECACs had great success, but still a lot of their coaches are, are, are not in favor of that. And, you know, maybe part of the reason is because the current setup for regionals does work out east. So they don't see the problems that we do out west all the time. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think, um, like you said, we see too many empty buildings I saw North Dakota play Yale to go to the Frozen Four in front of 1,500 people in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's your biggest game of the year, and there's nobody there. And these are the games that are broadcast on ESPN, and this is what everyone sees on national television. And this is not what I see all year long when I go around to college hockey venues. I see uh, awesome venues with great fans, whether it's 3,000 people in Union or, you know, 12,000 people in North Dakota. They're awesome environments and fans that tune in on ESPN to the national tournament uh, don't see what we do all year. Yeah, and they never, then they, you know, we always tell them how great, you know, the old Final Five was. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, it could be literally the next weekend at the X, and there's half as many people there. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously, a lot of people in the old days, um, had season tickets to the, the WCHA Final Five. That was just their – that's where they spent their money every year. Um, mm-hmm. But if it was a regional on campus, you know, I, I think, you know, someplace like Amsoil would be a fun place for a regional. 
and 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 just the places like that, you know. Uh, this year, you know, it you know we've got Sioux Falls, you know, that's not exactly close for anyone. I mean, not there's no <laughs> there's no teams in that town. It'll be full, but it's not. I mean, Fargo's close for for North Dakota, but uh, Sioux Falls is not exactly close. It's probably more, might be more of a bus ride than for Minnesota. You have UNO just down the road, but really, it, it is a little bit isolated out there. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll probably work. I think it will. But, um, you know, we, we all watch the NHL playoffs, and we see what those buildings are like, and that's what makes the NHL playoffs so awesome is they're just insane. And, and I think uh, we could see some of that in college hockey if the playoffs were in home venues. I mean, I even think of what would Houghton, Michigan be like if Michigan Tech is hosting a series. <laughs> that place would be insane. Oh, boy, there would be a lot of drunk people there because they <laughs> love to party. <laughs> and beers are like uh, 30 cents still up there. So. Well, at least they can drink beer up there, unlike some places like Mariucci where you cannot. Uh, yeah, I know. It's just That's just the way it is for the University of Minnesota. Where we are a bunch of goody-two-shoes here, and we just kind of have to live with it. Sorry, folks. It's just, just going to change one of these days. Uh, I, more. They may have to, Vigs, because with the amount of empty seats, or even though they're sold, it's it's uh, it, we're going to come to a head eventually here at Mariucci. It's something's going to have to happen. Well, even last year, the or last weekend, the announced attendance were, you know, in the eight thousands. So you know, when you have twelve hundred, fourteen hundred unsold seats, that could add up. <laughs> it, it does add up, but there was probably less than five thousand there. Right, it, it was empty. I'll be curious to see what your scanned data will happen. You know how, how it's going to look this year. Um, you know, w- w- without somebody like North Dakota coming to town to to boost up those uh, those uh, scanned ticket uh, numbers, uh, and Mariucci and actually, you know, Amsoil is becoming the same or similar in, in some aspects. People aren't showing up. They don't have those problems in North Dakota. They've never had those problems in North Dakota. Um, but Minnesota. Brad, have you ever done a scan ticket request from North Dakota? You know they haven't. I, I, <laughs> they don't. I they don't do need to. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it would uh, back up the the idea here that people use their tickets. Yeah, at, there there, there the aren't many there aren't many open seats. You know, I think if that were a bigger problem, I probably would have um, done it by now to see that. But um, you know, it's pretty evident about where the the ticket sales are i i did hear a, a year or this was several years ago now but um the uh the what do you call it the rate of purchased uh, versus scanned was uh like 97 percent one year something uh, absurd like that that might be almost 10 years ago now i'm getting pretty old here but um oh you're you know, not I, old <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it would be interesting to see for sure well, what's your prediction this weekend, Viggs? I think we're going to see a split. Um, I think one thing that's happening for Minnesota right now is they've got some really elite talent up front. I think they showed a, a hint of that last weekend, so I think they can score some goals. You know, this is a North Dakota team that doesn't have the star power of a, a Yost or a Besser, so I think that you know could hold them back a little bit if, if Minnesota gets some momentum and gets hot. Um, but I don't think Minnesota's playing consistent enough to win two games there. Brad, your thoughts? 
I think the same. It's really boring. I know to pick a split, <laughs> but no. That's, well, the games will not be boring. They they should not be. No, no. I I, I do think uh, more often than not we've seen splits in this series. It's you know probably the safe call and the smart call. Well, I, I I would agree with you guys as well. Usually I love to call go for sweep, but I just don't see it with how like you said, Vigo, how how inconsistent they've been. Um, it could be a little bit of a bumpy Friday night, but I think they'll bounce back pretty well Saturday night, and uh, it'll be another great uh, series into the history books. So, I, I, like I said, I can't wait. Hopefully, we'll find out if more television gets added. Um, you know, different type of cable networks is is how uh, Mi- uh, Midco is going about it right now. They're not going through anything like a Fox, so Fox is going to have nothing to do with this, folks. So don't even don't bother them. They're not going to be involved. So. <laughs> You know, Midco is, you know, they've already got uh, Mediacom on board. You know, we'll see if, you know, in the next day or so, if they can get a, a couple others on board. Um, you, know, you know, that uh, Sensors, which is already a North Dakota bar, um, Gophers were pushing people to go to Sensors. So there could be a, quite the atmosphere at Joe Sensors in both Roseville and Bloomington this weekend uh, for people watching those games. Because uh, I've been there with the. Uh, we, during some of those games with, against North Dakota, and it's it's fun at those places. But it might be the only place you get to see it. It's either that, or you're going to be listening to the radio, folks. Um, uh, obviously, I do uh, I do know that the NCHC does not charge bars a premium for their streaming service. So if there's another bar out there that wants to pick up the package, you know, for a month, it's like thirty bucks, twenty six bucks, and they could stream it at their bar as well. So that's an option for people. Well, my town here... If a bar yeah. takes that uh, initiative. My town here that I live in, Nor- Norwood Young America, is a uh, media com town. So I'm guessing a couple of the bars will actually have it on broadcast television here. So I might be in luck. Sorry, suckers. The rest of you are not in luck. Too bad. <laughs> you don't get to see it. You'll have to listen to the radio, which will be fun. Um, Brad, we appreciate you coming on the show. It's been It's been fun to have you on. Hopefully we can have you on again, you know, in the... North Dakota and Minnesota to play again next year. Yeah, you can have me on from Vegas. We'll we'll see how it goes. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll get you. Well, maybe we'll all be in Vegas, and we'll just have a yeah. we'll just have a round table and just talk about hockey for a couple hours because uh, you know it's entertaining. Uh, obviously, a lot of us uh, think this is an important series, but I think it's important for college hockey and college hockey fans that this this series is, is happening because uh, it's just fun. Win or lose, yeah. it's always fun, and uh, and th- and that's what we love. I mean, that's what why we all love college hockey because you never know what's going to happen. There's so much passion with the fans, and uh, um, that's why I love it so much. Yeah, there's there's tons of passion, tons of people getting worked up behind it, but uh, <laughs> uh, don't 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 remember, don't forget to have fun oh. because uh, this this is fun. This is uh, what makes sports fun. So. Uh, go ahead, get riled up, but don't forget to have, have some fun at the same time. And don't be a knucklehead. No. Go for, go for fans no. going up there this weekend. Don't be a knucklehead. Just have fun. If you have fun, the knuckleheads on the other side will not give you a hard time. So, it, like you said. And nobody throw anything on the ice. You're going to ruin my deadline. <laughs> or no players. Pull- and Don, 
Go ahead. Don says, don't throw anything at the bus with a pint bottle on it. <laughs> I, I was more, one of the referees was telling me a story about someone throwing a, a vodka bottle on the ice and it shattering. And oh. The first thing I thought is, that's 10 minutes to clean up. You're missing deadline tonight. <laughs> so. Well, uh, you might as well just plan missing your deadline. It's it's yeah. it's going to happen. I mean, especially with the seven thirty start Friday night, uh, you're guaranteed to be late. So um, you're just going to have to deal with it, Brad. Sorry. <laughs> it's, I'm it's, sure I'm used to it. It's, yeah, like you said, you're used to it. It's just part of the deal. Well, you can follow Brad in all of his articles uh, and the Grand Forks Herald. Um, you can follow him on Twitter. It's not hard to find him. He's out there. He's participating in all his social media. Um, we really thank you for coming on. And like I said, we're going to have you on again sometime. Sounds good. Thanks guys. Yeah. We appreciate Thanks. it. Viggs big weekend. You're not, you're not going up there. Are you? Nope. Uh, I know Nate Wells will be headed up. Uh, Joe Christensen's going up for the strip, but, uh, my, uh, five-year-old has might hockey practice on Saturday and Sunday. So <laughs> I'll be on the ice in the morning and watching the Gophers at night. Well, it's, it's going to be a fun weekend, folks, you know, and we'll be back next week. We're going to recap this legendary series and see how it goes. And then we'll uh, also uh, preview the series with, uh, I believe it's Clarkson coming into Mariucci next week. Until then, thanks for listening. Is that indicative of what we're going to see, or do you have a good night? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I don't think you can expect to, to see a freshman get a hat trick uh, on a regular basis. But he was recruited because of his offensive ability, his shooting ability, and I think you saw that in the game on on Sunday because uh, those were goal scores goals. I mean, not everybody can pick top corners from distance, and I think that's the difference in a, a true goal scorer to have the ability to, to do that. So, you know, it's good for him because you know, for the young kids, it gives them confidence. You know, he scored now and. So, I mean, Middlestad scored a goal, Reedy scored a goal, uh, Rossini scored a goal. So some of the young guys have contributed, and it just, you know, makes them feel good that they get that first goal. I told you 20 years ago that a kid from California would come in and do that. Would you believe me? Well, there, there was a kid 20-plus years ago, John Boo, who was from California, was a goalie. Okay. Forgot about that, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> so he's, not, he's not the first California guy. Um, you know what? But, but it's just indicative to where hockey's at today, uh, that it's a global sport. It's certainly in our, our uh, country, elite players are, are coming from anywhere now. And, uh, I mean, he's an indication of that as a lot of players dotted throughout the National Hockey League. you got to go pretty far back to get before me, but Blue doesn't. Okay. <laughs> Colorado College has had a reputation for recruiting Southern California very well. Did you do some of that when you were there? Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, you know flying out to uh, Noah Clark, Justin Morrison, uh, Burke Nelson. Those three kids were from Southern uh, California. So, you know, that was for me uh, the first time. I, I think my first recruiting trip to California was um, probably Justin Morrison going to you know, he lived close to Hollywood, and uh, I was a little out of my element. <laughs> I can still remember that recruiting trip because I locked the keys in my car. <laughs> so I got the hotel. It's like, okay, how am I going to get there now? Uh, but I was able to, to get it. Uh, but, I mean, I had spent very little of any time in L.A., and Justin had played at Omaha. 
and uh, that's what most of the kids are doing. I mean, they're, they're playing their midget hockey, but then when they get to that age, they're going to go play junior hockey, part of it, because they're good players, second, I mean, the expense. When you play hockey in California or Arizona and the southern, I mean, it's expensive to play because ice is more expensive, but then just to travel. Yep. You get in a plane and, and all that added expense, so probably for a parent, you know, it's kind of nice when they get to that junior age where they don't have to foot the bill for hockey anymore. So you've got that Orange County dinky town pipeline established? <laughs> well, uh, I didn't even, I should have went on a recruiting trip out there. That was a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> All the godforsaken places I've been <laughs> recruiting days, and I, I passed that one up. But, you know, it, it just, it's, you know, for Brandon, too, I mean, he was at Shattuck, and that's where he first saw him yep. uh, in his Shattuck days. And, and uh, you know, that's always an important recruiting area for us, uh, the Shattuck Prep School. And, um, he did a good job in USHL. I'm just, you know, happy he's here and, and just getting used to what college hockey's all about because he's young. He's probably one of the younger players in college hockey. He just turned 18 this summer. What does it mean for you guys to be able to have those freshman players step up and provide that spark? Well, we need that. You know, I think the, the important thing in the next few weeks for us, I, I, you know, we got to get Bristed on the score sheet, Smatula on the score sheet, Gates got his first goal. Um, you know, we've been getting good production from, you know, Norman and, and uh, Ramsey's played very well. Uh, Romenko, you know, that was some, one thing we talked about going into Sunday's game that, you know, those guys were all elevated and they, they contributed on the score sheet and, and it, certainly in other ways. And, you know, and, you know, use the analogy, you know, we lost some guys that were at the front of the bus last year. And, you know, we need the guys that were sitting behind them now to move up in those seats. And, you know, because the guys that were maybe behind them have moved up and, you know, taken a nice jump. But, you know, whether it's, you know, when you're a leader and you just haven't got on the score sheet, sometimes you start to press a little bit more. You know, so hopefully, even though they're playing hard, that, you know, they can get on the score sheet and feel better about themselves, too. Can you do anything to prepare guys for what they're going to experience at North Dakota with um, the crowd and the rink? And yeah, all that? I don't know. I mean, I, I you know they play, they're going to play hard. I mean, I, I don't anticipate a lot of stuff after the whistle or anything like that because I don't think with the staff and all they, I've seen them play that way. And uh, you know, we had a great series last year. Both games could have gone either way. Um, very competitive, but you know, for the most part, it was it was whistle to whistle. And uh, you know, I'm sure their fans are excited, like ours were a year ago. We haven't been up there. I don't know what is it, four years, five years now. This is last year in the WCHA. Um, it's always a fun environment. You know what? I, as if you're a competitor, uh, you, you like to. As a coach, you want to be in that environment. As a player, uh, I think you want that as well. And you know what? You, you find out who the men are when, you, when you're going to go up there. So I think there'll be a little bit of you know the first period, you know, to get through it, and then uh, then the game starts to settle in, and you you play the rest of the weekend. How important is it to create depth now this early in the season? Well, we don't have any choice. Uh, you know, Tyler actually and, and Scott both skated today, but I, I doubt that they'll be playing this weekend because you know we're going to take a long-term approach. Um, with unless we feel really comfortable, but you know, as we're preparing, like they won't play. Um, but the other guys did a good job. I mean, we, you know, our lineup on Sunday with all you know, three important players, and the other guys stepped up like you hope. That's what a team game is all about. That you're going to have nicks, you're going to have injuries, and you know, you can't use it as an excuse. You know, we're going to have 18 skaters ready to go. I don't know who they are yet, but we'll have 18 guys that are ready to go. And and like you touched on in the long run, it's going to make us a better team because I've seen. I've seen tremendous growth the first two weeks in, in Ramsey, you know, doing more, you know, Romenko, Norman. So guys that you start to feel that, you know what, that they're able to play in elevator roles and they did a good job for at least for one week and now we'll see if they can do it another. 
We've talked before about how in this region anyway, the Gophers are the big game for just about yeah. everybody. But you know, with the history of going back 70 years between Minnesota and North Dakota, is this one different or special in any way? Well, it's, it's, in, it's, more, it's fun. There's no doubt the fans get juiced. It's a little different because it's non-league. Say yeah. what you want. I mean, these are non-league games. And, and uh, even though you're not playing for points, it's important from the national picture. And uh, I mean, it just you go back to the history of the games. I mean, like we told, all you gotta do is YouTube, and you can see some interesting stuff <laughs> that went on between the games. But, a few gloves on the ice. Yeah, a few gloves <laughs> on the ice, and some interesting handshake lines. And, you know, maybe a bird flying through the arena. <laughs> Not everybody got that one. Yeah, no, I got that one. <laughs> bird. Some uh, bird you know, but it, 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 it just. I think it adds to it, and I think the fun part is, I, I think it's more fun when, you know, I, even as a fan, I've always said that when, when, when it kind of rivalry goes back and forth and maybe one team gets a few extra wins and then the other team kind of pulls it back, and that's more fun. I mean, nobody wants to go to a game and watch the home team win 8-1. to one. I mean, you want to watch a competitive game and hopefully your team can win, and that, that makes it extra special, and I think that's what's in the history of our rivalry from what I've seen and experienced, there there might be a stretch for a couple of years, somebody gets the better of it, but then it kind of goes back the other way for a while or yeah. a lot of splits and kind of evens up and they're, they're really competitive games and hey, there's a reason why the ticket's 100 bucks up there for the games this weekend. What have you seen from them so far? Just you know, typical North Dakota. They're a little more. They're balanced. Um, you know, they they they're not sitting there with a Brock Besser or a Joseph that's a first round pick. But what they have is a, a lot of good parts. It could be good faceoff guys. I mean, their team faceoffs over sixty percent. Their specialty teams have been good. You look at their goal, goal scoring through four games. I mean, three of the four goals, they, they haven't scored games. They haven't scored much. They've been getting shots. Then they broke out with six on on Saturday. But uh, a balanced team. I mean, they can they're going to play four lines and they can play sixty and, and you know they're going to get a puck in deep and they're going to come at you and finish your check and like pe- playing against Penn State, we have to make sure we are, we're a good box out team because they're going to throw pucks there and, and we, we you got to make sure you keep it clean for Eric. Uh, th- those are all important ingredients for when you play them and, and that's the way they're going to play. I mean it's. I mean, I, I don't need to flip on the tape to know what's, how North Dakota is going to play. I mean, they're just going to come, and they're going to keep coming and coming and coming. And you got to match their intensity and their energy. How much do you think a competitive series with Penn State compared to you guys? Well, I think it always does. I, I, I think, you know, we were up in Duluth, and, and uh, you know, we had a, so we've played good teams. We touched on, you know, our first four games. Now we're NCAA tournament teams. There's two more. I mean, and then we come back for Clarkson, who beat Michigan, and, and uh, is undefeated, beat Penn State. They're undefeated so far this year. So uh, we knew October would be a real test for us, uh, and it's a real test when now you start uh, with the depth and everything else, get, getting guys an opportunity. So we, we want to go up there. We want to continue to, to uh, get better. We want a, our game to continue to improve, uh, become consistent. You know, we, we've got to do well on face-offs. That, that's been an issue. We haven't been great on face-offs. This year we lost our, probably our two key face-off guys. And, and starting with possession. I mean, if, if we're chasing, it's going to be a long weekend if you're chasing the puck all the time because you can never start with possession. I think that's hurt our specialty teams. It's hurt us on the penalty kill because we seem to lose every draw in our own zone and seem even in the power play at times. Where, you know, you lose a draw to start the power play, and now you just lost 20 seconds of it. Coach, 
you added Scott Bell to your staff this mm -hmm. offseason. What have you seen from him in the first uh, couple months? Energy, uh, confidence, um, uh, a lot of pride in, in the golfers. Uh, I, I, I very uh, enthusiastic, energetic recruiter. Um, he's you know kind of always thinking about recruiting, which is which is a good thing. As coaches, we all know we're a lot smarter with good players. Uh, and so he's been very effective. He's got a video session coming up here with for our forwards, and he's done a nice job. It's been a real nice transition having him on his staff. His work with the power play, there's a lot of shifting personnel there from a lot of guys yeah. leaving last year. What What is it like with that? With that well, we've been sharing it right now, and, and uh, you know, we're, I'm trying to you know transition that a little bit uh, because the last couple of years I let Grant, you know, we kind of ran it together, but Grant pretty much ran it. Um, Scott's still trying to kind of get used to how we do things here and, and uh, you know, getting up with the video and all that. So we, we're kind of, you know, our whole staff is kind of doing it together right now. Uh, but, and then as the year goes on, we'll just kind of throw more and more at them. Uh, for your entire team, it's their first trip up to Grand Forks. What do you kind of expect out of them? In the um, you know what, it's, it's just another game. I mean, it's the old uh, Hoosiers, you know, get out the tape. It's 285, doesn't change. You know, the, your cell phone number might be printed by a student in the stands, <laughs> a dead golfer on the ice. You know, there might be somebody asking me behind a bench how 12 got on the team. You know, you know so it, it, that's the fun part. I mean, you got the guy that will come out of the tunnel, he'll be yelling at us up top. So and you got to enjoy the atmosphere, you know. I mean, that's the reality of it. I mean, that's, hey, you go you're going into Alabama, you better enjoy the experience if you're a football player, right? Yeah. You're going in there, you better enjoy the experience. I mean, our guys, we'll good. have some guys that, you know, we, we won't get up there now for, what, three more years. I mean, we're playing at uh, Las Vegas next year, the following year they're here, and then the year after that. So, you know, for a lot of guys, this is their one and only trip up there. What's the most interesting thing that's ever landed in your bench up there? <laughs> or the most awful? <laughs> Somebody <laughs> spitting on it. That would be the, the worst from my standpoint. <laughs> you know, I think for came anyone. Down and hocked one on us, and it's like, really? <laughs> Classic. <laughs> you know, but uh, I'm sure there'll, there'll be a few dead golfers on the ice, and that's all, all part of it. But, I mean, they have a good time. I mean, they uh, said, you know, we're going to drive up, and the good thing is now the bus is going to drive up, and they can't pelt it with snow. Snowballs. <laughs> it hasn't snowed yet. I mean, I go back to the old Ralph. That was my first experience. It's like, okay, we got a gun. I have to get through. Boom, 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 boom. Crash. This is probably a, a pint bottle mixed in with a snowball. <laughs> so, you know, you, you enjoy it. I mean, that's how I, I'm looking forward to it. I can't, I can't wait. I mean, they, they have great fans. They have great enthusiasm. Uh, proud tradition. You know, they're the Thunderhawks, but let's be real. I mean, they're going to introduce and they're going to be the fighting Sioux, right? I mean, we all know it. I mean, the fans are going to say, let's go fighting Hawks. And um, so it, it's fun. It's, it's an enjoyable experience. You know, I, I, I think the, the rival was pretty high there when it kind of took a breather. And I think, uh, you know, the breather was probably good in some ways. And now I think it will be back and, you know, in a respectful way. And that, I think that's the way we want it. I mean, it, we have great respect for their alums, their hockey players, their coaches and fans. It it's, it's, has great tradition, as do we. And that's what makes it a, a fun rivalry. Sounds like one of the weeks where you want to put on the pads like Darby Yeah, I've Henderson told the guys did. that. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have as much game as Darby yet, but, you know, as a former hockey and football, it's like, yeah, you get juiced. I mean, you'd like to go smack somebody, but you don't know, have the opportunity to do it. <laughs>
That's the old linebacker days, isn't it? <laughs> respectful, huh? It has been a while since you've been up there. Huh? You're expecting respectful? Yeah. All right. You've got to be respectful. All right. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, Wednesday might be a little bit was a good trip. Yeah, thank you. Last year, this series was kind of a coming out party for you. Does that take on extra meaning for you? Uh, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, obviously, you get to play North Dakota anytime, especially at their barn, too. It's, it's going to be fun. Um, but yeah, last year, it was a big series for, for our team and, and myself as well. And uh, you know, I think it'll be a big, big weekend for us this year, too. We're coming off two weekends where we had one good night and one, one not so great night. So we're going to see uh, what, this, what our team's made of uh, this weekend. Does a series like this suit your game? I think it does, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I am a competitive guy. You know, I like to get in the, in the face of opponents. And in this, you know, it's a big rivalry. And I think uh, you know, that's the type of game it's going to be. You know, North Dakota likes to you know, give it back to us. So uh, yeah, I think this suits my game uh, really well. How hard is it in a game like that to keep the intensity without letting it boil over? Because yeah. it's done that in the past in this series. Yeah, for sure has. Um, yeah, you got to find a line. You know, you you, you want to you know get to that line. We don't want to cross it. So uh, you know, I think that's going to be big for us. You know, we uh, discipline's a big thing we talk about. Um, you know, we've been been so great with that. We've already you know had a couple of major penalties. Um, so we just got to watch that. We got to watch uh, you know all the penalties. That's going to hurt us in the long run. So. Uh, you know, yeah, you just want to wanna be tough, but you want to be smart as well. Ryan, do you remember how that series started last year where Pitlick uh, got hit and then you got into a scrum right away? I mean, it just seemed to kind of set the tone. Yeah, um, I think I got into it with Gage Osmus last year, their captain. Um, but, yeah, I just remember, um, you know, just kind of going after him a little bit, and then we, we got an old scrum, you know, uh, I think it was only like our third weekend last year. I was a freshman, so I was uh, pretty excited, pretty nervous. And I think I was just, you know, just kind of wanted to get out there, and I, I would have fought anyone. So I just, uh, yeah, I was excited, and uh, I think it uh, it was big for me, and I think it helped the team as well. Did, did you had you spent the week kind of, you know, not only your own memories of the rivalry, but listening to Patoni and some of those guys talk about it? Yeah, it's uh, you know, there's a lot of talk going into it. Um, into the weekend, and uh, yeah, you can hear you know stories from Patoni, and you know obviously Gunner and Don have a, a ton of stories as well. So uh, yeah, you listen to it, but uh, you know it's just you know it's another weekend. You got to treat it that way. So uh, we just got to make sure we, we come out there and, and play well. Um, but yeah, it's it's obviously a big weekend for us, and there's a lot of a lot of history that goes into it. How do you prep for that atmosphere? You know, their rink is legendary, as you know, one of the real amazing places in college hockey. Their fan base, all of that. How do you how do you prep for that? Yeah, you know, going into it, it's going to be, uh, you know, you already hear it's going to be sold out. So, uh, yeah, I just think, uh, you know, we haven't really played in an atmosphere like that. You know, Duluth was uh, was pretty good, but, you know, there's nothing like going to the Ralph. Um, so uh, you just got to go into it and, and not think too much about the fans. You know, you just got to think about, you know, playing your game, um, you know, staying, staying together. You know, they're going to be they're going to be all over you. They're going to be heckling you. So uh, we just got to make sure we, we stay together and, and not, not lose control out there. As far as McManus day, you, you see him a lot more than we do. Is that is that for real? Is he here? Is that do you just have a good for real? Night? No, it's for real. He's a he's a great player. He's a, he's a great guy. Um, you're gonna see a lot more of that. Penalty kill has kind of been a soft spot this year. What do you guys need to firm up there? Yeah, we were, we were working on a lot today. Um, you know, I just think it's you know it's a new year. You got new guys. You know, you know, trying it out right now. Um, I think communication is a big thing, and 
and just kind of knowing where to be and and uh, you know there's there's different sorting that needs to go along with it and and uh, making sure we clear pucks. So I think uh, you know I think we got you know the right guys to do it and you know we're, we're eventually gonna have a, a really good penalty kill. I can tell, but uh, yeah, it's early in the year and you know there's some some kinks we need to work out. Power play struggled a little bit as well. What what did Jake bring last year that uh, you might be missing this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the power play too, it's early. I mean, we've only had, you know, four games to work on it. So, uh, you know, obviously we need, you know, a little more practice. But, uh, yeah, Jake obviously brought, you know, he's a, he's a heck of a hockey player. He's smart. He's got a great shot. So, uh, you know, we, we missed that a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think we got great guys in the power play right now. And, uh, you know, I think it's coming along really good. And uh, I think we'll have a good, really good power play as well. Tommy, you guys are... Uh working on the power play uh, through practice. What do you think the power play needs to do better on, in this series this weekend? Um, yeah, we definitely we struggled up to this point just trying to set up and uh, you know get things going. So I think uh, if we can get we can get the puck moving around and get some shots on net, uh, you know, we have the skill to, to score a lot. So you know just getting quality shots off and, and getting to the net. Are you guys looking forward to playing in the environment you're going to be playing in this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll be one of the best that we've all ever played in, so it's going to be uh, definitely a really a really fun series and uh, just obviously a great tradition with this, these two teams. So yeah, we're all looking forward to it. Do you remember watching some of these games when you were coming up? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the most memorable being the Frozen Four game uh, and the point six seconds game was definitely you know that was right when I was in high school. So it was uh, I mean that was the one that really sticks out in my head. But yeah, all these games, even last year, they were incredible games. So. Uh, definitely looking forward to it. Freshmen stepped up in a big way on Sunday. What does it mean for them to be able to provide that spark? Yeah, I mean, we have uh, a lot of skill up and down our lineup, and you know, our freshmen are, are definitely uh, a, a key part of that. I mean, they all they all can shoot and skate, so they're they're all definitely ready to play at this level, and uh, they showed that this weekend. Is that who McManus is for those of us that haven't seen him that much, or do you have a good night? <laughs> uh, I mean. I don't know if he'll score every shot like that again, but he uh, he definitely has a has a rip and he can score and he can he can make smart plays. So yeah, he's a really good player. How have you been feeling since you've gotten back on the ice this year? Yeah, I've been. Uh, I think I've been getting better, just like acclimating back to you know playing at this pace. So uh, it's tough going down with an injury, but you know I just just keep getting better and, uh, and hopefully progress throughout the year. I mean, I'm sure you guys faced off Dakota last year, but uh, for the freshmen and stuff, do, do people? kind of give everybody kind of the history of the rivalry so everybody in the room knows the stakes? Um, I think it's mostly like not even need to be said. Like I think mostly everybody knows uh, the tradition between the, the, this game. So uh, it's almost, I mean, we don't really need to say anything. I think they, they mostly just know it's it's going to be, you know, one of the biggest games. How much do you think going up against a team like Big Ten or uh, Penn State in a Big Ten series like that and uh, splitting a series with them, how much do you think that prepares you for North Dakota? Uh, I mean, the Big Ten's a good Ready? conference, so I mean, it's definitely a good test for us to go into uh, into the weekend. I mean, obviously North Dakota's a good team, so is Penn State. So I mean, it gives us a good test. We know what we're going to be up against, so you know, we'll just go in and try to play our hardest and, uh, and hopefully come away with some wins. What's the most important factor for coming out as strong as you did on Sunday? Uh, I think it's just our focus in the first 10 minutes, you know, just getting pucks to the net and hopefully, uh, you know, just getting started right away. That's been our struggle. So um, if we can get started right away on Friday, I think we'll we'll be ready to go. What have the coaches been focusing on on film this week? I know Don's talked about 
you know, not wanting to be too hard on you guys, and then he had good film on Sunday to show. Yeah, this week we, we, we showed a lot of positive clips on our, you know, our offensive side. I mean, getting pucks deep, protecting the puck, making plays, and also, you know, on the D side, just, you know, hitting, pinning, eliminating guys, and, you know, getting these nice clean breakouts that we need and these nice entries that we're getting, so, or we got Sunday, so. Uh, there's a lot of positives uh, throughout the week in video. What goes into the decision-making for entries? Um, I, I was, is, it, is it speed through the zone? Is oh, it how the defense I mean, it's definitely, it's, uh, I mean, it's more or less just how many, what your numbers look like. And, uh, you know, if you got if you like clean entry, you don't want to take it in. But, you know, um, you don't want to be turning pucks over. Obviously, in the blue line, you want to get your pucks deep and, you know, work, work their D down low and, uh, you know, just establish a good ground game so we can, you know, really get uh, grinded on their D and, you know, just create chances from down low and on the rush. So, you know, it really depends on the numbers you have. And, yeah, I mean, the speed that goes to the neutral zone and stuff like that.